here. Oh yeah. We oh yeah. Go again. Oh yeah. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Knee on Belly podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, Brandon, and boys. Today, we are going to recap UFC Noche and still, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> We'll talk about it. Uh, then we will get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's very strong, it has to be said, UFC Fight Night, uh, main evented by Mataj Gamrat versus Rafael Faiziv. And finally, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts and more. But first, boys. How are we doing? Episode 151 of the Neon Belly Podcast, or as some people are calling it, the first ever canceled UFC event mm. episode of the UFC, uh, Neon Belly Podcast, uh, UFC 151, John Jones, Dan Henderson. Yeah, remind me one more time. Who was that? that? Hendo fell off eight days out. Jones refused to take a title fight. That's what it was, yeah. Go figure against yeah. Chael Sonnen. Mm-hmm. So they canceled well, it. That's Chael. Yeah. Uh, but then he just came out and demolished Chael next time out. Chael did ruin yeah. his toe for the rest of his life. Has to be said for that, I <laughs> yeah. guess. Uh, Chael, I think, <laughs> yeah. Foot stomp. He did ruin his toe. But, uh, yeah, can't blame a young champion there. Why would you do that? Eight days out. Risk it. Mm-hmm. We haven't um, had any more. But then he did come out and fight Chael, and it was like the easiest title defense he ever had. But if you would have sure. done it at 151, I mean, who knows? That's that's fair a, enough. That's always out there. Has there been any other canceled like pay per views like that? I don't think there. No, has. that's the only one. Yeah, yeah, I believe that is the only one. That's why we said the whole like Sydney one. It's right. like, boy, maybe, it's, there, maybe uh, it's time for number two. Still have not watched. Oh, really? Um, let me tell you guys something. So I went to bed at probably like eight o'clock that night, Saturday night, eight thirty nine. Well, about nine. Um, woke up. Our, our alarms were set for, I believe, 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, woke up. I was, like, struggling to wake up, man. Did not. It was the worst night of sleep for me and Ash both. Um, I, that's a whole story in itself. The worst hotel ever. Um, woke up and uh, was dragging. And then it, like, hit me. I remembered UFC. Mm-hmm. I, I just, like, spaced it when I woke up. Three barrel rolls to the other side of the bed to grab my phone and uh, instantly open. And the first thing, I just click Instagram, and the first thing I see is Sean Strickland with the belt. It was like a UFC post. And I was like, what the I mean, I'm wide awake Yeah, you woke up in the other timeline for sure. That's what it felt. I mean, (laughs) the weirdest, I, I can't even like... I couldn't even explain it in a in a way that you guys would understand. I felt like I woke up in another dimension. No, maybe there, there, I was like, how, yeah. how, what, um, and like just spiraled for probably five minutes, just scrolling, trying to read tweets and what <laughs> happened, and you know what 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 went wrong here. Um, to where I even forgot about the rest of the card. Right. So then we're on our way to the airport, and I'm like, we're probably about ten minutes from the airport where we stayed, um, and then my mind's like, I couldn't look at my phone until we got through security you know you're just doing a lot so the whole time i'm like gosh tuivasa volkov like it's just <laughs> it was nuts man i that was a weird experience yeah. i haven't missed a ufc event like watching it live in i mean years years yeah. so i kind of forgot what that was like uh wow though what a one to miss and then wake up on the other end <laughs> you still haven't watched it no it, it's so well okay so in in the dominican republic um I couldn't watch anything. Right. Uh, you don't have access. Your ESPN Plus doesn't work the same. It immediately flips over to, like, their local mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so I have not seen it. 
came back, you know, two days ago and I'm like, oh, I should probably sit down and watch it. But I'm like, man, there's just something to it now where it's like, I don't even know if I want to. You know what it is? <laughs> I never watched that Bird Box movie on Netflix. It's the same thing. I knew so much about it. Yeah. I just didn't want to jump into it, you know? But I just need to know why, but it's just You like, watch any highlights or anything? Uh-uh. You haven't watched anything? Yeah, I, will say I, this. I watched the Luke Thomas thing that you sent. Okay, um, okay. I did, I did watch that little breakdown. So I feel like I got a good grasp of like mm-hmm. where this all went wrong for Izzy. And, you know, I, I'd sent you guys before I had even really dived into it too much and i was like you know my hot take here is it's time for izzy to spend some time away from city kickboxing Mm -hmm. you know and i feel like watching that luke thomas breakdown i feel like kind of like accentuates that point even more i feel even more now convicted that and it's not that he needs to separate completely i don't think that just need to retool he just needs to go retool and look at so look at his opponent right sean strickland like we're in this age you know where like max holloway comes out i don't spar right then you have sean strickland that's all this guy does against three people sometimes dude yeah i mean whatever and it's silly it's stupid but like even think about like jujitsu right like jujitsu is kind of easier on somebody else that's trying jujitsu on you mm-hmm. if you get like some wild crazy person in a street that's all drugged up it's gonna be a fight man that's gonna be tough to just right. utilize your jujitsu so like you can laugh at like sean strickland fi- facing these bums but <laughs> he's getting every look in the book i right. mean <laughs> like there's nothing this guy hasn't seen and the thing about strickland too and and it's easy now like to you know monday morning quarterback and I, I know this isn't a ufc 295 <laughs> recap trust me i just i didn't get it my say right. so this is just my little thought um is sean strickland is a student of this game and he mm-hmm. and, and it's easy to say that now when you see the result it's like yeah i guess he does train all over the place he did spend time at um down in south florida with henry hoof he's been down there he spent a large amount of time with alex Pereira to the point where alex Pereira picked sean strickland was mm-hmm. the only pro uh mixed martial artists that i saw picking sean strickland um and he and and even and I knew that before I made my pick, should have gave that more attention because here's a guy that spent a ton of time standing in front of Israel Adesanya, right? And then has now trained with Sean Strickland and said, "This guy's gonna beat this guy." Mm-hmm. I mean, we should have gave that so much more attention. Looking <laughs> yeah, at it now, I mean, yeah, uh, and it has. And this is an Alex Pereira that has no ill will towards Izzy. It seems like they've patched things up, right? They've been a little friendly lately, so. Yeah, man, it was just wild though to wake up on the other end of that. I will say, highly suggest watching all the. I mean, that card was crazy. I've seen the finishes. Like I told you guys, not even joking. I was in the airport and I think I watched that Tyson Pedro celebration like seventeen <laughs> times because everybody was like posting it, and so every time it was posted, I would watch the full oh, yeah. thing. Best he's ever looked. Uh, Carlos Olberg has some yeah. some new things in his bag, so definitely definitely check those out. Man, but, I was, yeah. yeah, that that celebration. Um, yeah. I might need that, like, just in the morning. Like, I need that, like, playing when I wake up. You just need to start doing it before you leave. Taking my morning poop. I just need to, like, sit and watch it. Just a beautiful celebration. Uh, Yeah, so there's that. But we got to get a lot going here. We got UFC Noche. We got to get some picks. Don't want to spend too much time on that. So, John, rate, sub, follow. Let the people know. All right. As you guys know, you know, as you're listening right now, you're on one of the platforms that we are on. But on these platforms, you can give us five stars on a lot of them. You can leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. Those things help us out a lot. Push us forward we're on social media neon belly podcast we're on twitter on neon belly pod i was on there last night had a lot of fun um putting stuff out there and we do the obviously the live show before pay-per-views on the mma underground so just 
come at us on all of our social medias. You'll see what we're doing. You'll see what we got coming up, and it uh, helps us out a lot. Boys, UFC Noche this past Saturday night, and typically uh, when a fight ends in a draw or no contest, uh, we don't hit the air horns. But this fight, at least, mm -hmm. deserves it. Very deserving. And Alexa Grasso. Valentina Shevchenko deserve these air horns right now. Mm -hmm. Fantastic fight, but unfortunately, the fight ends in a split draw. Um, and we have to talk about the scorecards, right? That's the that's the hot button topic of today, right? Mm -hmm. But I want to first lead with the fight because as lackluster as this decision was, um, the fight itself was sensational. I really right. thought I really enjoyed this fight. One of the greatest women's title fights, in my opinion, that I can remember. Um, I was like really into this fight the mm -hmm. whole time. I thought it was great. High level. You just had that feeling that I don't feel like I get a lot from women's fights is this could end at any moment from mm -hmm. either lady and we yeah. just don't get that from women's fights a lot you know no and um Valentina opening up with a great round one. Uh, then Grosso comes surging back in round two, drops Valentina, which uh, has to be said was the best singular shot of the whole fight. The biggest shot uh, knocked her. Basically, very like DC uh, Rumble-esque. Uh, Rumble mm -hmm. Sent Valentina <laughs> tumbling across the cage. Uh, then Valentina comes back in round three. Round four, super close, um, which can play into when we talk about the the scorecards here because that's the round, right? Mm -hmm. um, but then round three, Grosso almost pulls off the Leon-style Hail Mary. Um, it looked like it could have even almost been exactly like the first one, another back mount, you know, neck crank mm -hmm. or choke there. Uh, but nonstop action the whole fight. And I felt like Valentina's jab was just on another level in this fight. It was the different difference maker. Also, her ability to change levels looked mm -hmm. even quicker, even better than ever. Um, but Grosso stayed in the fight. Stay, and she did stay competitive the whole time. So uh, just a really fun fight, though. Yeah, so for me, the I had a... I think I had a 2-2 going into the fifth. Now, I was think as I was thinking about it, like, in the fifth round, like, man, I'm going to mix up who I thought had what round just yeah. because it was easy to kind of get lost in some of that. But I do remember thinking at the end of the fifth, like, I, I'm kind of leaning Grosso here just with the way the round ended in the fifth, right, and I had a 2-2. Um, wouldn't have been mad if it had leaned Shevchenko, but then obviously, like you said, we'll get into the 10-8 stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, the fight itself was great. You saw a mix of everything, the great striking and the wrestling from Shevchenko, jiu-jitsu. Um, I mean, what more can you ask for? Yeah, and I think that, you know, it's tough because I saw it as well as possibly 2-2 or 3-1 Valentina um, because there was kind of that real close parody with it. And then in the fifth round, I thought Valentina did a really good job of using her jab, was putting it on her early. Then she goes for some weird throw from like the – she had like her head wrapped like a rock yeah. bottom, and then Grasso just goes right around her back. Yeah. Um, fights off the choke, ends up um, rolling over, fights that off, ends kind of just doing the punch behind thing that we've seen some people do yeah. when it kind of gets to the end. but. Um, both of these fighters had adjustments that they made in the middle of the fight that were great. Um, yeah. And although um, Garasso did have the big strike, Valentina had the big elbow that busted open Alexa Garasso, and she had a sub finish with that mounted guillotine that was really close as well, I yeah. felt, mm. in the third round. Yeah. Um, which, you know, when we get to talking about the judging thing, that's kind of where I'm going to go with that. But I thought they both had a lot of big things, and I don't think it's mad. I'm not mad or feel any way about Alexa Garasso winning because it was close. Mm. It's just this judging. Man. Well, she didn't win. Well, right, yeah. it's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? Because I felt like watching it live, again, this is just off of one watch, I felt like Valentina, I 
watching it gave her round four. I felt like it was 3-1 heading into the fifth. I felt mm-hmm. like Grosso needed to finish, but also knew that round four could have made it 2-2. Um, and even when you look at the numbers, boys, it supports a close round. You know, in terms of strikes, Grosso was 20-49. Valentina was 19-43. So you're talking 40% to 44% there. Um, and then in terms of control time, uh, Grosso credited with 37 seconds and Valentina with 58. Uh, so, I mean, just... For that, seconds. just for that round, just yeah. that round, absolutely. Uh, Grosso was one on one for one in that round on takedowns. Valentina one for two. I mean, just a close, even statistically. Was, yeah. This was was this the round where Grosso got behind her and and picked her up, or was that round five? That was round. F- Ooh, now I'm trying. I I think round four was when she got to her back, but she got too high. She yeah, so that was when the, she dumped a really she nice. She went for the mat return. Yeah, okay, and yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah. got a little yep. overzealous and got a little too high. Okay. Uh, Again, you know, there was like 50 seconds left there. It's like, man, she could have got both hooks in possibly. I mean, just got a little off uh, balance there. But, I mean, just a close round. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, I, I for my money though, if you if you if I had like gun in my head make a decision, I had it three one for Valentina going into the fifth, but totally understand if somebody saw it two two. Yeah. Going into and, the and fifth. I, as well. I think by the end of it, I felt like Valentina had done enough. I felt like so even the fifth round, because I thought she did so much in that first four minutes before she goes for that throw, and the fact that Grosso didn't get the finish and yeah. ended up kind of just having to hold her and both resort to kind of like pity pat touching each other. Yeah. I still thought that Valentina could have got that round as well. So for me, that could have been a 4-1 or a 3-2 for Valentina. I will add, I wasn't crazy about either lady's reaction to the draw. Uh, you know, Valentina claiming it was only because it was Mexican Yikes. independence was a little wild to me. Yeah. Um, but then Grosso at the same time, seemingly happy to just still have the belt around her mm-hmm. waist, which was odd to me too, especially when she kind of got away with one because whether you agreed with Valentina winning or not, two of the three judges did give Valentina three of the five rounds. So right. without this 10-8 that we're going to discuss here in a minute Grasso loses this fight right Right. um so yeah it's tough right because I look at that um in Valentina it's like uh yeah okay I I understand you're thinking that maybe it was rigged or so to speak because of the the pressure that was on the judges but that doesn't help you get better right Right. as a fighter you have you know she's there there was a lot of mistakes that she made in there. She kind of has a history of not giving her opponents credit, though. Yeah, that's Amanda, a good point. She never admitted to losing to Amanda. Sure. You know, she always felt like she won those fights. Well, I think she's ultra competitive. You know, yeah. one one quote that I it almost led me to pick Valentina for this fight that she said coming in was, there is nothing past Saturday night for me. I am fully dialed in. I'm fully, like, very almost, like, militant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was kind of like, oh, she's focused. You know, and she's like, I haven't thought of one day past Saturday. I don't even know what you know anything mm-hmm. so uh i think she's just an ultra competitive person and i felt like she went for it but, like that yeah but it's like you know regardless whether you felt like you want it was still a close fight right and, and it was a close fight because there was some things in there that valentina has to improve on you know especially mm-hmm. um and then like i said for garasso it's like it's kind of that same thing like the the idea of like oh, I'm just I I still won and then DC was like well it was a draw like <laughs> you didn't <laughs> right. win like but she was just happy to have the belt around her waist and mm-hmm. um 
and we can kind of get to what's next, but you know, maybe she isn't as keen either on a on a trilogy fight with Valentina. We'll discuss that here in a minute. Uh, but let's get to these judges' scorecards uh, because anytime a judge's name is being discussed, just as much as the fighters after a big main event title fight, is a huge issue. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get to it. Saudi Amato scored the fight for Valentina Shevchenko, giving her rounds one, three, and four. Judge Camigo, I cannot pronounce the first name. Forgive me. Score. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, scored the fight for Garasso, giving her rounds two, four, and five. Um, now, depending how you scored this fight, that's how either lady wins this fight. Right. No, no issues there. Totally agree. Um, but then we get to Mike Bell, and Mike Bell is the one that scored this 47-47, which led to the uh, split draw, and he gave Valentina one, three, and four. Again, no issues, uh, but then scored round five, a 10-8 for Alexa Garasso. Um, now, we're not judging experts, but I did not see a 10-8 um, in that round. Um, and I do have the unified... Were you going to say something, Brandon? No, no oh, not yet. Not I do yet. have the unified <laughs> rules pull up here on what a 10-8 is. It's kind of a long thing. So I'm going to try to skim through it. I just told these guys I should have just pulled some of the hot button things. But it starts out with a 10-8 round in MMA is where one fighter wins the round by a large margin. So that's off top. A 10-8 does not require, again, I'm kind of jumping around here, does not require a fighter to dominate their opponent for five minutes of the round. Uh, The score of 10-8 is utilized by the judge when the judge sees verifiable actions on the part of either fighter. Uh, Judges shall always give a 10-8 score when the judge has established that one fighter has dominated the action of the round, had duration of the domina- domination, and also impacted their opponent with their effective strikes or effective grappling maneuvers that have diminished the abilities of their opponents. Um, so that's just kind of like the quick little... Yeah. Um, like I guess there's a lot more in here going into way more detail. Um, so I don't know, like based off of that, and you guys watched it, did you see a 10-8? Based off what you read, which I know, like you said, it's not you're not encapsulating the entire thing that's been written, but based off what you said, I mean, a duration of the round would be like two minutes and thirty four seconds, right? Sure, more, more than half. And then it says it could be com- it could be the striking, or it could also be the I don't remember exactly how you worded it, but the grappling exchanges essentially. Mm-hmm. And I mean, didn't say anything about damage as a result of grappling, but I mean, what that sounds like to me is controlling somebody and dominating the grappling side of the round and and grosso did that and she did that for i believe a majority of the round so based off what you read i mean i kind of get it because uh, i feel like we've had this conversation before too since we've had these new unified rules about well maybe we'll start seeing more 10 eights um and so like i said i, I think if, if that if i'm understanding that correctly and it still sounds very subjective i kind of see that i mean i, I kind of see what you might be looking at there with the grappling and the duration of the round and um dominating it in that way because she did dominate the grapple she had her back for however long in that round mm-hmm. um so i kind of see that uh, let me see well, what's can... tough is i felt like it was the last minute where she got to her back it was she only was because... credited with a minute 30 of ground control yeah, because it's okay, so a less than half because valentina was starting to like land that jab she was circling she was kind of pushing it on her then she like i said she went for that throw and it just didn't work so what concerns me is i feel like and again, this is this is the larger issue that's kind of to be discussed here is we don't get to hear from these judges after these horror, I don't want to say horrible, but after these really bad decisions, right? We don't get to hear their logic or reasoning because, and again, I'm not reading this whole paragraph on what a 10-8 is. I will do that after this, I promise. Um, but 
I feel like Mike Bell gave the 10-8 score because he felt like she was so close to finishing. But I'm not seeing anything here. I'm just kind of trying to skim again. It's kind of a lot of like all over the place that says you score a 10-8 based off of a close finish. Well, well they, on the broadcasting, DC or or Cruz, one of the two, did say that that's part of a 10-8 is if you get close. But, but, here's, did, but did they actually know right. that or are they just saying? They could, they could have got fed to them. I don't know. But here's my problem with that even. If that's even part of it, I feel like if that's a 10-8, then round um, r- round three, three is a 10-8 as well because Valentina was just as close to finishing, in my opinion, um, because we could actually see how tough that choke was. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a great, um, I think that's a great argument um, in terms of if you do score at a 10-8 in round five for Grasso, then it should because really Valentina was... I mean, she had that her and that. And that was only one arm. If she was Whether, able to get that other arm, and she probably finishes that. That, that round alone, um, in terms of control time, uh, Valentina was credited with three minutes and sixteen seconds of control time there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I it's to- almost by the book, dude. Totally agree. I think that's a great point you bring up there. One more line I just found here uh, in this ten eight. I just stuck out to me. Judges must consider giving the score of ten eight when a fighter impacts their opponent significantly in a round, even though they do not dominate the action. So I guess in terms of time there, it's kind of contradicting itself. Uh, well, could you say, okay, so could you say like the, when she dropped Shevchenko, is that worthy of a 10-8? Well, what's tough with that is right after Shevchenko took her down. See, that's the one thing I kind of... She shot the double leg I and got on top li- of her. Yeah, and I do kind of like that in boxing where like if there's a knockdown, it's an automatic 10-8. It doesn't leave that like, mm-hmm. you just know if a fighter goes down. Typically, right? I mean, I know yeah. there's not all of them do that, but typically that's negotiated. But I do like when that is in the mm-hmm. in boxing because when somebody goes down, you know, okay, that's a 10-8 round off yeah. top, whether, you know, the person won significantly well, it, or not. And it's also it's also tough because, you know, unlike some certain sports too where you might judge like a whole fight because that next round, Valentina wins the round. So obviously the knockdown didn't affect her too, too much because she was able to get the takedown in the second. Well, I don't know about that. And then come back around and win the third though. I'm not. I don't. I don't know that that constitutes the knockdown not affecting her. Well, no. I'm, what I'm saying is it didn't change the fight as much because she won the next round. Mm. So like she she got but the, the takedown. Problem with that is you don't judge the fight as a whole. No, right. And that's why I think the 10-8 thing is tough because yeah. it you know there was a 10-8 earlier in the card that was actually very one sided fights and mm-hmm. it's just like okay yeah that makes sense. We've even seen some 10-6s where it's like oh the, no, somebody doesn't get off anything so it's hard to it's really hard to see you know, where their minds are with it. Like I said, especially because there's two examples of pretty much very similar rounds, but even more on the case for Valentina, because that round three, she was way more dominant than any other round of any other fighter had, in my opinion. Last little bit on last couple sentences of this 10, eight. And I feel like this is kind of what sums it up. Like, this kind of leaves it open for anything like, and that's maybe a little bit where the language of these rounds and judging, like, again, there's a bigger issue here. It's not just this one, but it says effectiveness and striking, striking or grappling, which leads to a diminishing of a fighter's energy, confidence, abilities, and spirit. Um, all of these come as a direct result of negative impact. When a fighter is hurt with strikes showing a lack of control or ability, these can be defining moments in the fight. If a judge sees that a fighter has been significantly damaged in the round, the judge should consider the score of a 10 8. Um, I mean, that just, that's, that's just, all subjective. That's all man. so yeah. subjective. I mean, how do you like really, this, the judging needs to like, and then, you know, they, they kind of give definitions for the words impact, dominance, duration. So, you know, do it, they do it for confidence and for no, spirit? Spirit. Yeah. That's one. It, it just, it just leaves it open. So it's like on one end, 
yes, you can be mad at Mike Bell uh, for the 10-8. It's silly. Nobody watching that, I think, feels like that was a 10-8 round, unless, like John's saying, which I think is a great point, unless you give round three for Valentina a 10-8, then there, at least there's some consistency we can draw back to. Uh, but when you read this, he's also justified, in a sense, in giving it because mm-hmm. there is a lot in here that kind of does support the claim. Right. So uh, it, that's where, like I said, you're getting into just the larger issue at hand, which is there needs to be some sort of reform here in judging within the sport of mixed martial arts or at least clear language that um, is kind of finitely just cut clear to the point. There's no confusion. Um, well, and I think at this point, you know, there should be a, you know, we talk about this all the time with judges and even refs, but like you you might get fighters who try to like refuse fighting with these guys as judges because, right. you know, your livelihood, I mean, at the end of the day, Valentina could have been had her belt back, and you know this changes a lot. Or Grasso could have had a clear win, two wins over Valentina, and moving on into her thing. Except for now, we have this kind of question mark of yeah. you know what what even happened. Yeah, and as far as what's next, um, you know this has Moreno versus Figgy written all over it. To me, um, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like you have to do the third fight now. Um, I know again, Grasso said in her post post fight uh that she would prefer a fresh opponent which again kind of plays back into that you're just happy to have the belt you Mm -hmm. didn't really care how it happened and and you know what to an extent i get that right there's more money there's a lot of things that come with just having that belt around your waist so i don't think it's necessarily that she's ducking valentina i do understand that aspect of it as well uh but for it to end in a draw um and to be that good of a fight as well, you know, it just feels very incomplete. And as we kind of talk, have been talking about for a couple weeks, you do have Blanchfield, you do have Fior waiting in the wings as well. Uh, but a draw is something that you never expect or plan for when we're talking mm-hmm. about what's next. You know, it, it's a possibility, uh, but you never plan think that it's going to happen. Um, but this is why we always say that you do have to wait for the fights to kind of play out. Uh, so to me, I think this makes the picture very clear. I think you do the trilogy and then you square off Fior and Blanchfield for that number one contender spot. I just think it makes the most sense. I don't know if you guys disagree, if you still prefer Blanchfield, Fior over the other. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, this isn't the way I wanted the trilogy to happen. I did predict the trilogy. Oh, the way yeah. I no, you predicted the trilogy if Grasso lost. Or right. But here, well, okay, well, uh, <laughs> answer, no. answer me this. As close as that fight was, if Valentina gets that decision 3-2, the idea of a trilogy it's doesn't... Crazy. It's crazy? It's, yes, it's wild. You just said it was the greatest female title fight you've ever seen. Yeah, but it doesn't warrant an immediate rematch. Why not run it back? Because one has a win over the other and the other has a win. Because you still have two very exciting prospects waiting in the One lane. of which you said needs one more fight with Blanchfield. You said you want to see her do one more fight before you get, she I don't gets think, to... I didn't say that for the last one. I'm I said pretty she, sure you did. No, I think she's... I think she's warranted. I wouldn't have said that. I just said it wasn't the best performance. I, I did say that against Tyler Santos, who arguably beat Valentina Shevchenko as well. But I did say that, that I think if you're comparing performances, I thought Fior against Rose looked mm-hmm. a little better than Blanchfield against Santos. But I never said I think she, I think if she wants to take one more, she's well, I think it'd probably be a smarter idea. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if they said Blanchfield tomorrow, no no issues on my part. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's not the way, like I said, not the way I necessarily wanted that to happen out. But <clears throat> I did see that Valentina did hurt her thumb in the, in the fight. Because let me say this, if Izzy and Strickland rematch, right, which I don't know if you guys discussed that of, as far mm-hmm. as running that fight back. If Izzy, if it's kind of a similar, another five-round fight that Izzy just edges out, Sean Strickland is not getting an immediate rematch. That's not how it works. 
But it's not. But I'm saying based off of what you just said about how that fight went last night. It's a great fight. I'm not saying that, but I. Because to me, if you're if you're asking people, would you rather if that fight if Valentina wins that decision, and you ask people if they'd rather see Valentina and Grasso go again or Valentina fight Blanchfield? 100 percent it'd be Blanchfield. I do not believe that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're. Yeah, no, 100. percent The fans would say that. Like people, I don't believe that. Yes, I I 100 percent believe that. I don't. Wait, what were you saying? So. In what instance would the fans say they want to see Blanchfield? I would say if, if Valentina would have won that 3-2 or whatever on yeah. the decision, as good as the fight as that was, and you asked fans, would they rather see them run that back because Grosso has the first one and Valentina has the second, or see Valentina fight Blanchfield? I think more people would want to see that fight again. Because here's the thing with Blanchfield, right? Blanchfield has... Um, <clears throat> Aaron Bronstetter tweeted this out. It's um, She basically has less than a year. Uh, to become the youngest UFC champion, which is something that she wants to do. And that's kind of been the track or the fact mm-hmm. that, that they've put her on because she's wanted it. She's looked great. Again, coming off of Tyler Santos, who's a world, I mean, just a very high level fighter herself. Um, so I think with the Blanchfield thing, if you asked fans, do you want to see this third fight again, or do you want to see this girl get the chance to go for a number one or uh, a t- to be the, to beat John Jones's youngest champion record? I think most people would rather see history made, including myself, to the point where I do think the trilogy is the most logical thing. But I think at this point now, um, as I've thought about it, sat on it, I think given the history that could be there for Blanchfield, if you had to pick be- between Fiora or Blanchfield, I would love to see Aaron Blanchfield just get the chance to make history. But what you're saying isn't a knock against the fight itself. You just said, no. like, you still think the trilogy makes sense. Yes. But with Blanchfield, yes. her position. Right, right. Valentina and Grasso will fight again. Whether it's next, whether it's two fights from now, there's no question about it. Um, and it's worth mentioning, Valentina was wearing a cast after the fight. Uh, she said that she believes she's fractured or broke her thumb. Uh, so depending how long that takes, you know, we may need to see a fresh matchup for Grasso anyways. Right. Um, and again, you can't have if Blanchfield is sitting there ready to go and she has the chance to break this record, which admittedly, I think I've even said recently, I don't know that anybody can. Uh, I think you got to give her the shot. Yeah, it'll be interesting because you still have Manon there as well. So yeah, you have who, to determine what you want to do with who, these. Who I still think had a better, in terms of just comparing per- performances, I understand where if you're, you know, a Manon Fiora fan, you're like, hey, but our girl just kicked Rose's ass and essentially, you know, right. had a really good fight. I get that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Like I said, I think given the outcome of a draw, I think the trilogy fight makes so much sense. It's, I've seen a, a boxing, it's a, a newer kind of boxing promotion. They don't do draws. If it goes to a draw, you do one more round. Like after the judges talk, you get back in there and you do one more round of boxing. But it, it just, that's what makes draws suck so much because, you know, both fighters gave it their all, left it all out there. And for neither one, I mean, Grosso gets to take the belt home because by default, right. but if there was no belt on the line, they both go home. With nothing, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Boys in our co-main event, Jack Della Madalena defeats Kevin Holland via split decision. Uh, very close fight here, and the scorecards suggested as well. Um, I think both guys made this fight incredibly difficult for the other with their defensive striking uh, there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Holland kind of using those front kicks to keep JDM just out of range. Um, and then Jack Della using a really high, tight guard, keeping everything down the middle. I thought it was a great game plan for him. Um, and he made it really hard for Holland to ever land anything of significance throughout the mm-hmm. whole fight. Um, I think this is definitely one that I'm going to have to kind of rewatch again to kind of get a better feel um but as i sit here today i'm okay with the decision um because i felt it almost felt each round uh 
JDM landed just the bigger and better, more significant shots of this fight, um, especially when it came to the combo, man. Every time he got on the inside of Holland, he let it rip mm-hmm. and found success, you know, and landing like multiple punch combos as well. Um, and at times it felt like Holland just wasn't really letting go in a way that suggested he was trying to end the fight. Um, just very slap, kind of touchy stuff, almost like sparring rounds. Yeah. It's kind of how it felt A lot felt of people watching. thought that third round felt especially like a, like yeah, a sparring Yeah, but round. again, he had the volume right. Mm -hmm. You know, so it it is. I do understand it being a split decision. I could have, wouldn't have been shocked by a Holland. um, But sitting here today, I I do agree with Jack Della getting the win here. Yeah, to me, it just kind of. I don't. I don't know what to make of it because, like Holland, like he had said in some of his pre-fight stuff, he's like, you know, I'm not focused. Yeah, like he's well, and he said that he's not chasing belts, and he's he just kind of in for like fun big fights and those sorts of things. Sure. But at the same time, you're a ranked fighter going up against a ranked guy here in JDM, and in this fight, like I thought back to the Thompson fight where he kind of got outstruck by thompson but you could say okay well that's wonder boy like yeah. who, who doesn't get outstruck by him but in this fight it just seemed like it was very one-dimensional from him there's a lot of mm. one, just one two combos it didn't seem like he was to me and i'm not a striking expert but to me it didn't seem like he was doing a whole lot in terms of trying to get around the guard through the guard he was just co- content with with landing on top of um, jdm's guard and just kind of yeah. throwing some kicks here and there and ke- keeping distance and like you said whenever jdm came inside and he was starting to throw he was getting around the guard he was landing he was he was I don't want to say rocking Holland, but like you said, definitely the bigger shots. So, yeah. And it just, yeah, it just didn't seem like Holland was ever making any adjustments in there. Whereas JDM was, he started to land and it just, I, and I don't know how much that's JDM's just that much better. Mm-hmm. Um, or Holland is just, I don't know what to make of where he's at right now in terms of uh, what his goals are, like what he's trying to do in the division. Yeah. yeah. It's tough because if you say you don't want the belt, but then you get mad about not losing, the more you win, the closer you get to yeah. a belt, you know? So eventually those paths are going to, if you keep on doing good, those paths are going to go a certain way. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm okay with the decision. Well, look at Strickland again. I mean, I'm drawing, this is the Sean Strickland episode, but he's another guy that are always like, I don't care about belts. I don't care about rankings. Oh, Watch his post fight. He <laughs> he changed his whole tune. Yeah, but, yeah. But just I, I until think, you get it. But I'm saying exactly, and I right. think Kevin Holland, like Kevin Holland, is taking a Leon Edwards fight tomorrow. Right. You know, and, and would relish and love the chance. I think to be a champion. I just think some guys have to give off that. Like, I think it's just what yeah, they have to. Maybe do. that's a mindset thing, yeah. right? Like, I, if I if I focus too much on the belt, I lose sight of like mm-hmm. being in the fight. That kind of right. that kind of thing. But. Yeah, and I, and I think for JDM here, I think it's the. It's kind of the term optics, but it's every time he was landing on the end yeah. of those combos, he was pushing Holland into yeah. the cage with the right hand. Or the the most solid shots to me for the whole fight were the body shots yeah. he were landing. Yeah. Yeah. They were thudding. Um, and I, kind of like how you said, Holland was just kind of flicking stuff out there and mm-hmm. touching him. He was throwing a lot of techniques. He was doing a lot of good body kicks. Yeah. Um, he'd mm-hmm. flop a leg out and then flop it back over. Like He was showing yeah. off a, a big toolbox, but none of those shots were going to finish JDM. Yeah. And he kind of just walked through them. Um, Holland did a good job of staying back using kind of like that shoulder roll and getting out of range but then eventually that's when jdm starts saying okay if you're gonna lean back i'm gonna punch you in the body and he got, he went to that early and often um and i just think he landed the bigger shots that at the end of the fight it was okay this guy it, you know we've talked about how damage has made its way back around to being kind of more toward the forefront of judging and i think this one shows that yeah like you mentioned the body shots that was one other thing unless, unless i missed something like to me it seemed like holland had an opportunity there with jdm having such a high guard okay start throwing some body shots yeah. like yes he was throwing some kicks but like you've got to adjust what you're doing with your yeah. hands because it's just not landing the way he his even tried is. to shoot a couple times and it didn't well and i think like the teep the the front kicks of the body did seem to slow 
Jack down as the fight went on. But I think that strategy works better over five rounds, right? Because you just mm -hmm. get more time to keep eating up that body. Um, it's just really, I feel like you don't see that like working at a high success in three round fights unless, you know, you're really putting, and it just, he was just kind of flipping him out there. It's not like he was landing him to like really do damage. You don't see the body stuff land with, is that what you're saying? Or? Uh, like the teeps, like those like front kicks to the body. Oh. Like I feel like we see that have really good success over five rounds. It's mm -hmm. just like most fighters these days are in such good physical conditioning that like it's just kind of again i know they hurt um but mm -hmm. kind of thudding somebody touching him to the body it's just it's gonna be really hard to drain somebody's tank that in just a three-round fight right um, it almost was like to me like too i one thing i want to say is uh kevin holland almost kind of looking to deploy like a diaz brother mm -hmm. like he almost just wanted to like overwhelm him with strikes right um because like once he would kind of land one he would get jack Della open like once he would open him up and then he would just kind of follow it up with just like he just never really went for that like kill shot that right. we've seen where he just puts people's lights out so and he punched that guard a lot. I mean, Jack Della stayed very, very yeah, faithful to that guard. guard. Very high guard, um, tight, yeah. And even, uh, you know, even a lot of, he was trying to like kind of tap the side to open up the right and those things yeah. just weren't happening. And then, you know, like I said, he, you did see him try two takedowns. They weren't really that great of attempts, but, yeah. you know, maybe he did need to try to get into that lane more because Jack Della's boxing was super, super crisp the whole night. And what's next uh, for Jack Della kind of raises an even bigger issue in my opinion uh, because much like we discussed a couple of weeks ago with Benoit Saint-Denis, uh, in terms of not many people uh, when we were talking about in the lightweight division being booked, it's even worse in the welterweight division. Of the top 15 welterweights, boys, not one welterweight is currently ranked inside the top 15. Um, this does exclude Hamzat Shimaev, who is still ranked fourth, despite knowing he, we know he's a middleweight now. Mm -hmm. Why he's still in the rankings, I don't know. Um, but other than that, no top 15 welterweight is currently booked. Now, many at the bottom have just recently fought, which does, that explains a lot, right? So, but that's kind of the issue. The top of this division, um, it's kind of starting to seem like guys just trying to gatekeep in a sense mm -hmm. all the way up to the champ Leon Edwards. Um, I mean, what is going on with this welterweight division? I have no clue. You know, Gilbert and Bilal fought back in May. Well, that's four months ago or mm -hmm. four or five months removed. That's a reasonable timeline for them. You know, you know, they're probably about should be booking fights at this point. Um, but other than that, there has been no significant fights in this welterweight division since May. Well, JDM's had two since then, right? Uh, his, when did he fight um, uh, um, yeah. Basel? He fought. Yeah, that was probably back short. around June, June, July ish, right? I think Lu it was Luke after. A fought in August. He fought RDA. Yeah, but that's not like I mean, in like. I mean, like something where, like, we're like, hey, number one contender matchup here. Like, where's Usman? You know, where's right. Colby? Colby hasn't fought since March of 2022. Mm -hmm. He hasn't beat somebody that's still in the UFC since it's crazy 20, man. <laughs> 2001. Like, like where, where, like, we, Leon beat uh, Kamara back in like March, I believe. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's been crickets. And like, it was like, okay, Colby's next. We had this like bang on thing. Where is this fight at? And then you had Gilbert and Bilal, which um, was. Again, could have been an easy, like, hey, this is a number one contender. Right. I don't know, man. How much of that do you think is just going into prepping next year? Like, do you, like cause we're, no way. we're coming into October. We well, got, like... I, I just think guys don't... I think it's gatekeeping. Like, Wonderboy, yeah. love the guy. Clearly, he's gatekeeping to an extent, right? Well, I, I feel mean, like the only person who's been calling for people and nobody's saying yes is Shavkot. Shavkot's out here he's on. He Matter of fact, last night he tweeted, look, I'm available for 294, yeah. 295, whatever. But... And, 
but, but you know that's not a fight that people just want to kind of take yeah and sean brady's injured i know that mm-hmm. uh jeff neal's injured jeff neal's injured you know so there is some of that but uh man that that division there for like right around you know usman loses twice to leon edwards and everybody's like this division finally for the first time I mean, in years, right? Like, we're talking before GSP, Just right? like the middleweight now. Yeah, it's like this division's open. Like, this is for anybody now. Mm-hmm. Anybody can come get it, and it's just been, like, I frozen. blame it on Colby, because you're giving this guy this title shot. Colby can only do what the UFC No, 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 right, him. but I'm saying if the UFC doesn't push for this Colby thing so heavy, Bilal was right there and more deserving, in our opinion. We've already said that. That's a UFC. And he would have fought it for... He, he would have been ready to fight now. The, the UFC needs to give Colby and I don't know we don't know the the circumstances but there it's non-negotiable at this time at this point right, right? I mean uh, most of these champions look at look at um Aljo having to be forced to turn around in less than 3 months to defend his title yet Leon hasn't defended since March I mean that's that's nuts, man. Like we also don't know the story behind it either. Well, but it doesn't it doesn't matter. How many times have we seen him in like, fine, we're gonna do an interim title fight if you don't want to fight. I mean, there's a it, they can do what they want, but there needs to be motion, and, and we need to start getting this division going because there's so much talent. But to me, that comes down to the UFC. Mm-hmm. You got to either move on from Colby if it's Colby that's holding it up. If it's Leon, you do an interim. I, I don't know, right? But the, it's up to them to figure it out at the end of the day, whether guys want to fight or not. Like, hey, Wonder Boy. You don't want to fight Ian Machado, Gary? Too bad. You're fighting Ian Machado. Right. I, I know they can't make him, and, I, and I'm not suggesting that, but I don't know, man. It's just weird. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're completely handcuffing the division, and you have no activity going. Yeah. Um, I, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, the one. F- I, I do like the idea of like a Sean Brady and a Jack Della, but Sean Brady has to get healthy. Uh, yeah, who knows? I, I think, you know, I think Jack Della and Wonder Boy is a great fight. I think it'd be fun, especially since we know Wonder Boy's already said no to Ian Machado Gary. It's like, I don't know what Wonder Boy wants to he, do. He wants Kamaru. That's what he said. He I, said the UFC flirted with that fine. idea and he wants to hold on to it. it. Right. If they're yes. UFC, just do it. This right. is clearly not an issue of like matchups. There's plenty of right. matchups to go around. Right. UFC so, just can't make their mind up on what they want to do with yeah. guys because they're trying or, to hold. I guess the only thing would be, or people are just refusing to fight. Because, like you said, what, that's do you, what it what sounds do you, like. What do you do if, like, you just have guys who are like, no, I don't want to fight him. I want this other guy. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what it sounds like. I, I don't know. But you could also do the battle of the three names IMG versus <laughs> yeah. JDM. But you almost um, feel like you want to save that. Yeah. Too. I, and I was going to say, you, I'm not a fan of that, though. I like saving these young prospects, you know, for later down the road. I don't like doing it this early, killing one off. John mentioned there is always Shafkot, who is really, but asking anyone to fight him is a bit unfair, it seems. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It, it's very interesting. And, and to even try to sit here today and speculate who could be next for Jack Della, it's like, who knows? Because everybody's open. Whoever will say yes. <laughs> yeah. You know? Whoever he says yes you know, to, I guess. Luke a at 10. Like I said, Brady, Jeff Neal, if he gets right, he's at 8. Like, yeah. And it also depends on what you want to do with, like, a Ian Machado, Gary. If you want to save him for a top know. five. like, yeah. But they got to do something or else, you know, a lot of these guys well, they want Ian are going to miss their window. Yeah, they want Ian, it sounds like, on that uh, Madison Square Garden card. And, yeah, they're running out of time, man. You he just has to say yes to Shavkot because he'll fight anybody. Yeah. Boys, Raul Rosas Jr. defeats Terrence Mitchell via first-round TKO. Uh, what a performance by the 18-year-old here. Uh, you know, came into this fight, right, a bit one-dimensional, just kind of real grappling heavy. Um, but he showed off some really aggressive striking here. You know, made Mitchell look silly with that big left hook. Um, and like It was like something out of a movie, that knockdown, the way Mitchell just went stiff. Legs so, went stiff yeah. on. 
Um, and all in all, you know, I just think this was a good step forward for Rosas Jr. Mm-hmm. Coming back, you know, at 18 years old on the main stage and under a big spotlight in the UFC to bounce back um, from a loss where he kind of got embarrassed, kind of got schooled a little bit um, to bounce back and have a performance like this and then show growth for the first time in the UFC. You know, I just think we saw progress in his game, which is essential. Um, So good for him, man. I think it's a good step for him. Yeah, and a willingness to trade like that, right? A willingness to go out there and strike a little bit Mm -hmm. rather than just immediately start Yeah, because he ate a couple shots too. And um, I mean, the shot that he landed to knock him down you know, it was a close, you know, sidestep away. Yeah. What's funny is if you look at the re- the replay, it looks like that Terrence Mitchell was like smiling yeah. a little bit before he got hit and then his whole body just yeah. Um But yeah, I mean, he needed that because if you lose two in a row with the hype train he had on, you know, we talked yeah. about even just that last loss at his age, like take time, go retool. And this is kind of what he did here. He showed a lot. And I think they need to keep him in this Terrence Mitchell lane for right now. Yeah, I thought physically he even looked a little bit more filled out for this fight. Like you can tell he's put, you know, some some work in mm-hmm. on the strength and conditioning. Um, and I thought the strength even showed here in the performance. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how they'll continue to build him, but yeah, I'd assume at least one or two more matchups like this where he won't physically be outmatched like we saw in the Rodriguez uh, matchup, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he can... Because I thought just in terms of physically, like he looked more on the same level as, as, a, as a Terrence Mitchell, so... I will say with the, you know, the aggression, that's why I think you need to stay in the Terrence Mitchell lane because with that aggression, he was open. He did get hit a couple times, but there's guys that could definitely hurt you there, but I do think that elevation and like, okay, now I can't just, you know, keep my hands down and watch for this guy to shoot because he's going to throw bombs at me. He's going to help him out a lot. Any other results you boys want to get to? Daniel Zell Huber, I thought, great comeback there against Christian Jagos. And Anaconda Choke was crazy. Um, Loopy. Yeah, I didn't watch that fight. Loopy Godinez, best she's looked. Dominant, yeah, yeah um, she ended up having like like dumped this girl on her head, hit her with a four piece for, first, dumped her on her head, and then choked her out. Um, my, my biggest one was Roman Kopylov, yeah. just running through Josh Fremd, and I told you guys, give me Roman Kopylov versus Bo Nickel. I think that that is a fight to make, right? There. Oh, he yeah. won the land of the body shot at the end. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh-huh. He's won three in a row. Sambo wrestling champion, phenomenal striker. Let's see it. Uh, Charlie Campbell, uh, he was the second fight from the bottom. He beat uh, Dominic Gray as his little brother. But he had a really good showing, good knockout. And then afterwards, he asked DC, what do you think of my boxing? And then DC asked, he said, no, it doesn't matter what you think. And he like carried that on through. But that was a good uh, debut for him as well. Yeah, I'll say I think the UFC smashed it here with this uh, UFC Noche. I felt like it was some. It felt very unique. It felt big. Um, I thought they did a great job, kind of celebrating the Mexican heritage and independence throughout the whole card, even the whole fight week, like all mm-hmm. the pageantry and everything. Um, and yeah, I I think many have said it, and I totally agree. Is you know this is something now that needs to be an annual event. Would love to see it in Mexico, but it was really cool to see that they could pull it off in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. um, to where I didn't really feel like. I mean, yeah, it'd be always be better and bigger in Mexico, right. but um, could definitely do it somewhere. That was probably one of the best crowds I've heard in T-Mobile in a while. It was really fun, man. I, I love the touch. I think there's even I think there's even room they could do more. Like I'd love to see like kind of like an Azteki print on the canvas. I mm-hmm. mean, there's just so many different things. I love them getting Brandon Moreno on commentary and, and going to the Spanish announce table. It was awesome. Yeah, man. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Good stuff. Hopefully, they do it every year, man. I, be... I agree. I think it, I think now it has to be uh, Brandon. Update us on our score. Yep, so Nate, you had no points last night. Yeah, John, you had three. Bummer. I came away with one. So the current standings are Nate, you've got 80. I have 73. And John has 69. 
Alrighty, boys. This Saturday, the train keeps rolling. UFC fight night from the UFC Apex. Main card start time of 7 p.m. Eastern Standard live on ESPN+. Plus. Our main event, and it's a big one, in the UFC's lightweight division. Number six, Rafael Faiziv versus number seven, Mataj Gamrat. Um, and boys, let us begin with the number six ranked Faiziv. He is coming in off a majority decision loss to Justin Gaethje in his last fight back in March. Before that loss, however, he was on a six-fight win streak, uh, which included wins over Hanato Moicano, Brad Riddell in RDA. His opponent, Mataj Gamrat, is coming into this fight off a split decision win over Jalen Turner in his last fight. He also holds significant wins over guys like Armand Sarukian and Diego Feira as well. Uh, Gamrat has suffered defeat just twice in his UFC career. Those losses coming against Benil Dariush and Guram Kutataladze in his debut. Uh, but Gamrod has never been finished in his career. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see if a dangerous striker like Faiziv can kind of find that off button in this one. Uh, so let us start with John. Who do you like? Man, this one's very interesting because I feel like this is the first time each guy's fought a high-level guy at what they do. In terms of just like a over-the-top striker. I mean, I think I think Gamrot beating Sarukian and out-wrestling him was No, no, no. I'm saying crazy. that He's I don't think... striker versus grappler. grappler yeah, I'm saying I don't striker. think that Gamrot's fought a striker at this level of oh. Faiziv. And I don't think Faiziv yeah. has fought a wrestler at this level of Gamrot. Gotcha. So that's what makes it tough because I believe Faiziv's only been shot on like five or six times in his whole career. Um, but he's never fought somebody who wrestles at the level that he's going to get that in the first round against Gamrod. Mm -hmm. Gamrod's not going to quit spamming the takedown, but no. Faiziv has so many tools to catch Gamrod trying to get to those takedowns. Um, but we have seen Gamrod be very game in striking exchanges as well, using his straight punches to get to that. Um, but I'm going to go with Gamrod on this one. I think he is going to get to that takedown and kind of wear down Faiziv and get to those later rounds. Uh, I will say Gamrod by third round sub. Interesting. So, yeah, like you mentioned Gamrot being in those firefights, like Domi and Afraid to kind of get into some striking exchanges, but we've also seen him get dropped in like four of his last seven fights. Granted, not been finished, but he he can get hit. Mm -hmm. um, and Darius dropped him real bad in their fight. Um, both of them have 90% takedown defense, but like you said, Fazeev hasn't been shot on that many times. Yeah. Um, but I, I like Faiziv here. I don't think either of them particularly has a strong chance of finishing the other, but I do lean towards Faiziv being able to find that off button against Gamrot compared to Gamrot having his way as far as a submission. I, I don't know. I could see Gamrot being real successful with the wrestling and, and landing the takedowns, but I just think Faiziv is a little too tricky, and I think he's got a little chip on his shoulder since coming off of that gauge he lost. So I'm going to take Faiziv here by decision. Yeah, there isn't a bad pick here, man. I don't. There's just not much between these guys, and it's such a fun and exciting matchup that I'm honestly worried that it may turn into a snoozer. Because uh, we've seen that a couple times this year, like right off top, like Sanhagen Cheeto comes to mind, where it's like this is gonna be insane. <laughs> yeah, and then it just kind of like underwhelmed a bit. Mm -hmm. um, I've been very bullish on Faiziv for most of his career in the UFC. I mean, he's just an elite level talent. I think he's one of the best strikers in the division. Speed kills, and he's got plenty of it. Mm -hmm. um, I love that he lets the hand goes. You know, he's not a afraid to throw these crazy six punch combos that end in a knee or starts with a big knee down the middle. Um, and then for Gamrod, I think he's extremely well rounded. Great submission game. Um, he isn't the most prolific wrestler, but as you guys say, he will hunt those takedowns, man. Chain, I'm talking like. Sometimes he'll attempt 20 a fight and only land four. Right. Um, 
And for that reason, I am ever so slightly going to go Gamrot here. You know, I know Faizeev has phenomenal takedown defense, um, but I think this fight goes long, and I think the more that Gamrot shoots and forces Faizeev to defend the takedowns, it could just wear him out, man, especially mm -hmm. over five rounds. Gamrot has a lot more five-round experience uh, in his mixed martial arts career over Faizeev. Um, I could see it being a very close decision, but I'll pick Gamrot to edge it out, possibly even a late-round finish as well. Um, but I will say Gamrot by decision um, and again I don't feel great about it you know if, if Faizee forces Gamrot to strike uh, with him it could be a long night for Gamrot um, and Gamrot is a great striker himself but just fewer on the level of Faizee even mm -hmm. going back and watching that Gaethje fight man it's like gosh uh, some close rounds in well, there as and well. Well, and I feel like with the long combos, it does leave you a chance to be opened up for if one, you know, if he looks, stays back from those, mm -hmm. he can duck under from something. I'm surprised you didn't go Gamera. The guy has a Kimura finish. I know, the fastest <laughs> one in UFC history, too, but I just something about Faizee, even the striking man. And he won the first round against Gagey, he, he took. And then it was just something about Gagey being on the low guys into mm -hmm. what he does that mm -hmm. kind of threw Faizee off a little bit. But I'm still, I'm still. Well, and this has potential to be one of those, oh, well, I sound dumb because. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, I flip flopped all week. I mean, I felt I what did it for me was the Jalen Turner, like watching Gamrot. That is just such a unique challenge to try to figure out Jalen Turner on the mm -hmm. feet, man. And, and Gamrot figured it out, but barely. Was, that was the other right. thing for me. Was he and that was a short notice fight, if I remember. Yeah, right. he, Gamrot took it on like less than two weeks notice I believe mm -hmm. um, and Jalen Turner just like, but Faisi even in the same sense is a very tough and a whole different uh, from Jalen Turner, so it is it is a very interesting, but yeah, not a bad pick. Pick you could literally I don't know what the odds are, but they've got to be close. I mean, uh, ESPN has Gamrot plus one thirty five and Faizev one minus one sixty. John still going with ESPN odds in our next bow and in the featherweight division, number ten thug nasty Bryce Mitchell versus number twelve Dan fifty k Ige. Uh, let us start, boys, with the returning. Thug Nasty, Bryce Mitchell, uh, who is fighting for the first time this year. He hasn't fought since December of last year. That night, he lost for the first time in his MMA career to Ilya Topodia, uh, who finished Thug Nasty by arm triangle. Um, and a lot of his layoff, this layoff, I mean, for Mitchell, has been attributed to a back injury that's kind of lingered for a while. Uh, so it's worth mentioning that his opponent, Dan Ige, will be fighting for the third time this year. He's a perfect 2-0 this year so far. Comes in on these back-to-back -back wins against Damon Jackson and most recently a unanimous decision win over Nate Landwehr back in June um and Ige really needed those wins because he was mm -hmm. on a three-fight losing streak before those back-to-back -back wins. Um, and that's what kind of makes this matchup interesting because the level of talent that we believe Bryce Mitchell to be is usually the guys that Ige struggles against, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of his this like hump, so to speak, that he just has never been able to get over and in the UFC career. I think his biggest win is Edson Barbosa. Um, mm -hmm. So I think this is an interesting test for both men. You know, how does Bryce bounce back from uh, his first loss? You know, he went 15 and oh that's a lot of wins and then to get your first loss um and he got dogged in that fight uh, mm -hmm. and then he's also coming off the injury and you know is he ready to beat a guy like Ige and then can Ige beat a young top 10 talent like Mitchell you know which is the type of opponents historically he has struggled with John who you taking 
yeah, you know, I want to. I don't want to wait to the embedded to see if Mitchell's in that bathtub with that purple back again because <laughs> that's what we've seen obviously before the Ilya fight, where it's like well, it's ah, not a pay per view or, or before so you're not that. Get um, but you know, it, it's what it is for me is how does Mitchell respond from getting beat so bad? Like I remember toward the end of that, you just kind of almost feel bad for him. Yeah, like, let's get this guy out of here. Yeah, um, yeah. And Danny Gay now has all the confidence in the world after his last two performances, and a confident Danny Gay is very dangerous. Um, Danny Gay is a good wrestler as well, so I, I don't think that it's going to be like a um, a super advantage for Bryce Mitchell. But I also think that Danny Gay has the better striking here, uh, better hands there, uh, power as well. So I'm going to take Dan Gay by decision. I do think Bryce Mitchell is very hard to t- get out of there, but I do see him being confident, being able to land and stuff some takedowns. I like Bryce Mitchell here, um, assuming he's not completely d- like struggling with the injuries still. Um, I think, yeah, the way the Ilya fight went was a little rough to watch, but at the same time, I think we know now Ilya's different. Like, he's mm-hmm. a different yeah. dude. So I try, I kind of want to give him a little bit of grace there because that was a big find out who this guy is kind of fight for, for Ilya. And Mitchell, like you said, like he's got great jujitsu. I think the wrestling's there. I think Ige, like you said as well, he struggles with guys like that, at least historically he has. So I give it to Mitchell to probably be able to land those takedowns and hold Ige down. Um, so I'm going to take Bryce Mitchell. I'm struggling with how, though. I don't know if he can finish Ige. I can see him subbing him, but I feel like decision's a safer bet, so I'll take Bryce Mitchell by decision. Yeah, you know, one thing I didn't mention in the rundown there, and I'm trying not to factor this in too much, is the drama that Bryce Mitchell has been dealing with. If you follow him on social media, uh, essentially he posted a video this past week pleading for his hometown to help watch over his property because um, his ex had come over and killed his fruit trees and was threatening Bryce and his now wives' lives. Um then there was a video that surfaced this week of Bryce busting out a window in his ex's house trying to get his dog back. It just seems really toxic, this whole thing. Um, well, Tony Ferguson for you. Well, yeah, it's hard to not overlook some of that stuff, honestly, uh, mm-hmm. because Dan Ige is a guy that requires 100% of your attention. Um, now, if you take all that stuff out, this is another one that I do see as a to- toss-up. You know, I do worry about this matchup for Ige uh, because we have seen him taken down and frustrated by Mavzari Vloyov and the Korean zombie. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Mavzari, you can kind of overlook that, but the zombie wasn't a great look for Dan Ige, right? Uh, but when you look at his last fight with Landwehr, he did a great job defending all of Landwehr Landwehr's takedowns and really frustrated Nate the train I felt like by mm-hmm. the end of that fight because he just couldn't get Ige down and you could tell Nate Landwehr thought he was going to be able to get him down uh, so it's clearly something that Ige's been working um but this is Bryce Bryce Mitchell, and like Gamrot in the main event, he will be relentless in pursuing those takedowns. He's another one, man. He'll just keep going for him, chaining him. Uh, but I am going to go Ige in this matchup. You know, I think he will get have an advantage on the feet, as John mentioned. I think his grappling is extremely underrated, and it's something that you can tell he's also improving on. Um, and again, I really worry about where Bryce is and his personal life going into this. You know, I'm sure he's trained and prepared, but what kind of junk is he carrying in with him in the cage mm-hmm. Saturday night? Uh, and, man, if he can overlook it, you know, and go out and perform, it's a winnable fight for him. But uh, Ige is focused, man, and he knows that this will be a huge win for him. I'm looking for him to come out um, and get over this hump for the first time in his UFC career. I think it would be huge for him. Uh, so let's go 50K Ige. What would you say? Uh, decision. I like the decision, man. I'll say uh, late round TKO. Let's go third round TKO for 50K Ige. But, yeah, man, it's – it's an interesting match. Yeah, both of those fights, the main and co-main, have a potential for somebody to look like, oh, well, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, any, any other stick out on the card for you guys? Matchup Muhammad wise? Usman's on there. Yeah. Um, Tim Means is fighting Andre Fialo. Uh, there's a couple of good ones. 
Marina Rodriguez and Michelle Waterson. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun one. John, let's get into the news. Going on the news. Uh, going on the news. Uh, uh. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. The news. The UFC and WWE are now officially merged as Endeavor has announced closing the deal of their purchase of WWE going through, creating a new company by the name of TKO Group Holdings. WWE and UFC now will boast over a billion fans worldwide and a reach of over 180 countries. Dana White was quoted in saying that this takes the sport and everything else to a whole different level. After this merger, we are so much more powerful than we were yesterday. So this kind of feels like, let's begin with the crossovers, right? No, if you listen to Dana, no. He said there's no crossover. Right, but what I'm saying is, like, this just feels like... I mean, they say a lot of things, but... Yeah, I don't know. He seemed like, because they asked him about... um, the TKO, I don't know, the guy that's over it all saying that they want to start doing these like crazy packaged weekends where Friday night SmackDown, Saturday night UFC pay-per-view, Sunday night mm-hmm. WWE pay-per-view cause it, and doing them all in the same city because uh, oh, nice. they want to try to start merging and crossing over fans. And Dana like just laughed at the guy and he was like, look, I like the guy, but he's crazy. Like you're never going to get the fan base. He's like, there'll, there'll always be like UFC fans that will like WWE and WWE fans. But he's like, in terms of like large crossovers, you're just never going to get it. Do you feel like they're missing? He's missing the mark on the opportunity for that though. Uh, Cause we've seen uh, it work in other ways. We've seen I've stars seen- crossover from both ways. Both, you know, we talked about this when this was first talked about. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. It just from what I read, it's more of a like a benefit to WWE just in terms of the promotional side. Like, they've seen how yeah. how well the UFC's done as far as the promotion, and so then they're kind of trying to jump on that train. Here's what I think would be smart, and I think it's something, if anything, that we will see is like a TKO streaming platform where it's essentially the WWE network merging with UFC mm-hmm. Fight Pass, and it just opens you up to all the catalogs you get the wwe pay-per-views for free uh you'll never get ufc pay-per-views for free but instead of espn because i think the espn deal is coming close to an end yeah i'm not sure i believe i believe that's coming up um and i don't know that the i don't think the i don't know we'll be a lot of problems with that i'll just say that yeah i don't know that the the ufc will be um extending with the ufc especially now i I feel like there's just too much money to be made by putting both catalogs and libraries on Mm -hmm. one platform called tko streaming whatever and i think the titles have changed for that um con for wwe and for dana white i think they're now called the presidents of said you know ufc and and wwe but dana white's role doesn't they said it doesn't change it's just kind of a new new established title but yeah uh, after announcing that they are officially ending negotiations with the PFL, saying that they will instead continue to operate until they run out of funds and eventually fold as a company, yeah. Bellator announced their Bellator 301 event will be returning to what's becoming their home base for big cards, Chicago, Illinois, on Friday, November 17th. Yeah. This card will feature a welterweight title fight between Yaroslav Amozov and Jack jo- or Jason Jackson. Um, then the highly anticipated bantamweight title fight between Sergio Pettis and Grand Prix winner Patchy yeah, Mix. That's one. I'm. I might just have to go to it for that fight alone. Uh, the lightweight Grand Prix semifinal between Patricky Pitbull and Alexander Shibley. Yep. And the grudge match rematch between Raytheon Stotts and Danny Sabatello. Yeah, it's a great card in Chicago. That's Heather. what they've just been doing. Yeah. You know, ever since we went to it. Whoa. Man down. I'm calling that the neon belly effect. Once we went to it, now that's been their, yeah. their biggest thing. Uh, PFL has announced the return of the, one of their star fighters in November as Kayla Harrison will look to face Julia Budd. Yep. Kind of feels like another paint can situation, but uh, unless it's her and Pacheco, I'm kind of not interested, yeah. to be honest. 
Uh, and then this last thing I have, it's not a huge fight announcement, but I think it's fun because it reminds you how fast some of these guys can move up if they take advantage of their opportunities. Diego Lopez will be facing Dan Sabatini at UFC 295. Diego Lopez is or the Pat, guy. Pat Sabatini, sorry. Is he the one who was short notice? Yeah, he's the uh, oh, Grasso's. Yeah. yeah, nice. So, you know, he jumped in. and I mean, Pat Sabatini is a, is a really good look for him at 295, so... Nice. That's what I got. Song of the week, I believe, belongs to me, correct? Mm-hmm. All righty. So in honor of USC Noche, um, I love Narcos on Netflix. Um, nice. And there was a song, I think it was last season or two seasons ago, um, that I had to like look up because I'm like, this song is fire. Um, and I, I, it's actually on my playlist. It's La Hace Falta Un Beso by El Chapo de Senoloa. I'll be have to go back and uh, listen to this when I look it up to put it in the story. <laughs> I can send you a screenshot. Okay. Uh, so that's song of the week. Brandon, what is your one for the people? Uh, one for the people would be shout out to Gaha Jiu-Jitsu, man. Like, we went out and showed up for the grappling industries. Um, what Chase do? Chase did well compared to his first tournament. Nice. He, he didn't medal, but he did look really good in his matches. Tapped quite a few people. Um, yeah, he, he looked good compared to the first first tournament. We we as a team come, came away with, if I'm understanding this right, 80 gold medals, 77 silvers, 45 bronze, and out and got the team title. Yeah, and outscored second place by like 2,000 points almost. So, oh, nice. so really well, did really well. <laughs> Was uh, Pedigo there? I didn't see any pedigo now, mm. but I wouldn't say they there weren't any sneak people sneaking through there. I would feel like you would know though, but I didn't see any. Yeah, I took Oliver, so half my time there was trying to feed him snacks. Oh jeez, yeah, that was. How long were you there? Probably like an hour and a half, two hours, and then he was oh. like ready to go. I'm like, yeah, we can just get out of here. <laughs> I'm not sticking around all day. Yeah. So. Awesome. John, what's your one for the people? Uh, my one for the people is I have two quick questions for both of you. It's been going around on social media that this is something that guys have an answer to. Um, and it's the first one is, do you, either one of you think you could land a plane if somebody talked you through it when you're up in the air? Yeah. No, no, he couldn't. Have you ever done a flight simulator? Like an actual flight simulator? Nope. Yeah, you couldn't. <laughs> Have you done it? Yes. So you're going off your own experience? I'm going off the experience that you will understand absolutely <laughs> nothing behind a plane. What buttons, what switches, yep. nothing. Well, that's the whole point of them talking me through it, right? That's I why guarantee I'm you would nosedive it. I guarantee you would plant the nose right into the runway. Just because you had a failed experience on a simulator doesn't mean I'm as incompetent as yes, you at landing a plane. You will literally, you either would never touch the ground and you like the plane. Oh, we would, would touch the ground one, something, one or, way or another. Or you would completely <laughs> nosedive it. The other question is well, there's two more, I don't know, but, but this is. Here's, here's the problem is people play like grand theft auto and think they could do it yeah 100 like, percent. like that's well, not just, that. and it's also just that guy thing where you feel like you can just oh yeah i feel like so the other one is if you spent long enough times in the wood with a bear do you think you could befriend it no a bear yeah no, no i have way that's better chance silly. of landing a plane than i yeah, do that's silly. There's, people, there's people who say yes to this and the very last one <laughs> is how often do you think of the roman empire way more often than probably the average person. i would actually say with that one probably more than you think like once a week i let me tell you how down the roman empire i am i actually almost sent you guys this video last week that i watched because my algorithm's full of roman empire so this is actually <laughs> funny because i've never heard this question um but uh this is how far down i am it was um it was what was being in the crowd during like the gladiator battles like what was that experience like like Dude, they had full ship battles in there 
it was kind of crazy because I'm like, dang, you never thought about it. And they were like, you know, there was accounts of like stray spears, like chesting somebody <laughs> yeah. in the crowd. And like they had to like reconstruct the walls because like lions and stuff were jumping over into the crowd. And uh, I just, yeah. So, I mean, I so actually watched Essentially, somebody like, brought this up and now wives are asking their husbands. That's funny. And it's turning into like our conversations and then being like, dude, you don't understand. So-and-so yeah. <laughs> was doing this. But the whole time this guy was over there. But it's just funny because once again, I'm in the same boat. Like I probably think about it at work right now. Like, dude, could yeah. you land a plane? Oh no, there's no way, dude. Here, like, so when we were like, where'd you do the fly simulator? Uh, Washington D.C. at the oh, uh, Smithsonian geez. Museum. Okay, what? That's because like, it it's no, official. Just, no, no, no. That's I didn't fine. say the Children's just, Museum. No, no. I like. I'm just saying. Like, well, that's just kind of far. The, so. the literally, the literal Air and Space Museum in Washington D.C. Yeah. It's like impossible, man. I mean, like, I mean, it's, it's impossible. impossible. It's possible, but you're not just gonna like walk into a plane of a cockpit. Like, you have do you think no, it's ever? Do you think do it's you, ever happened in history? Do you think mm, ever it's ever been the I case where, where a non-pilot has landed a plane? I bet. What if I showed that to you? I bet. What would you say? There's a chance. Fake news. He, well, he would say article. you're not him. Yeah, yeah probably. Right. Yeah. You just don't understand when. Like, you were not him. We were literally when we were landing into the Dominican, like, like the whole plane, like, because <gasps> he was like coming down, and, like right before he hit, like a, you could tell a gust of wind. And like the whole back of the plane just like whipped out a little bit, and then he like jerked it back like last second. I just realized what you said. I don't understand wind. That's you what don't you said. understand wind. W i n d. It's true. Yeah. You would just. I'm telling you, you would probably miss the runway. Sorry, folks. Uh, I'm not going to be able to do this. <laughs> you would, uh, say goodbye to your loved you would, ones. You would literally either miss the runway or you would come down on like, okay, the front add, tire, me, and the whole plane nosedives. So okay, so let's let's just put this scenario. Out. Let's say we're in a plane, all three of us, and only one of the three of us can try to land it. Who do you want to try to land it? I mean, I would say me. I would rather have control. If I'm going to die, I'd rather be the one in control. Mm, okay. I don't trust anybody else. I'm probably grabbing a parachute and just trying to. Brandon, you would you would be good up until you had to think of like something easy. They'd be what? like, hit the red button, and okay, there's like seven red Is buttons. That magenta. Yeah, hit oh. the hit, hit the red brake button. Okay, there's there's a red brake button, but I'm seeing like four other red brake buttons over here. Pull the <laughs> thing down. You mean south? Yeah. Yeah. You're in the air. Wait, wait, wait which way's up? Which way's oh, down? Gosh. I know on Grand Theft Auto, up is down <laughs> you and think, down. You guys, is up. you guys think I would be too analytical? You're, you, because you are mm. in real life. You'd have to be able to take what they say and just like automatically just do it. Because I, if you're sitting here doing this, you're gonna freak out. I feel like Nate at the same time as the guy who's like, oh, I push this purple button over here because I thought that made sense. Like, is that is that right? And they're like, No, 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 no. Brandon's the guy that ahead. you say, Hey, Brandon. Can you shut that door? Will I shut it or can I shut it? Because really I can't shut it. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's pretty. <laughs> shut these kids up. Yeah. Do you want me to press the brake as soon as we hit the ground or do you want me to wait like 50 yards? That's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. That's a fair question. And then I'm just the guy who's like, is anybody, can anybody try to land this plane? I'm just like, nah. yeah. If I'm, I'm staying in my seat. Yeah, you're the guy in the back just commentating the entire thing with your <laughs> yeah. phone out. Like, I'm going to get a good uh, TikTok yeah. on this yeah. one. Somebody's got to catch this because Brandon's about to put us down. John's like, quick, let me look up the ESPN odds and stats <laughs> before I die. And I'm going to make the best pick, Brandon, by decision. We all die. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, Roman Empire, though. I'm in on the Roman Empire. Yeah. <laughs> a little too deep. <laughs> a little too deep. Come back next week. We will recap this UFC fight night. Get you set up with the next one. Uh not a great one. We're, we're in for a little bit of some uh, rough fight. Yeah, we got about a month up. until the next pay-per-view, so hold on. But we'll be here. We promise. Until then, we'll see you guys. Peace. Peace. Peace.